Alrighty. So, we've been working our way through First Timothy, and we were in chapter 2. And I think we got down, down just about to, to verse 8, where the fun stuff kicks in. And uh, we're going to get into that this morning and have some discussions about what Paul writes here to Timothy with regard to men and women. And, and let's, let's keep this in the, in the framework that I think we need to keep it in. And remember that, that one of the reasons why Paul is writing this um, is it has to do with the conduct of the local church. It has to do with false teachers and issues that are, are being experienced and, and problems that Timothy is having with folks who, who are attending. And so, so that, that framework has to stay in place. However, he does make statements here that are to be applied broadly and not just in that congregation and not just in that local church, but in the local church as a whole. Um, but he, he starts off in verse 8 by addressing some behaviors. Um, and he says in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. He says also in verse 9, Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So let's back up to verse 8 and start there because it, it, it appears that if he is, if we were to take the, these words are being used to address some very specific happenings, it kind of appears here that the men might be having some issues with anger that the men may be having some issues with quarreling. And I think if you look in the, I think the, the King James uses the term that they should pray lifting holy hands without doubting. And, and I think a direct translation of that, that word is really a disagreement. So that's where we get quarreling here in the, uh, um, in the ESV. But there's, there's obviously some problems going on. And, but he's, when he talks about prayer, he's talking also about a posture here of lifting holy hands. And I don't want to gloss over that terminology of holy hands because I think it implies a lot. It implies that, that you, are, you are coming to God in prayer with, with clean hands, that you're coming to him with sins that have been dealt with, with, with issues that you have, have, have gone and asked for forgiveness for, that you, know, that, that you have done what you need to do and not only is your, your posture, so to speak, respectable, that's why in, in Scripture nowhere do we see that I'm aware of the, the prayer posture that we typically take, sitting down with our heads bowed. We don't see that, but we do, we do see lifting hands. We see falling on our faces. We do see heads bowed. We see all kinds of different respectable postures taken for prayer throughout Scripture and so I think it's fair that, that as long as there is reverence in our, in our position or reverence in how we are praying, <coughs> that God's way more concerned about our heart than he is where our hands and feet are when we're in prayer. Because obviously, how many of you have prayed while you're driving, right? So, and and I, I think that's, that's fair enough. 
see someone turn on the interstate like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man. I hope yeah. for him. It's probably scripture they're reading on their phone. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I've explained that guy rear ended me on seventy one that day. And I looked up my review mirror and I saw this really old Nissan car and it was filled with a I don't know how many people were in it. Front seat was packed, back seat was packed, and I was in a rental. And they just got up behind me and just went, tap, just, just a tap. And I thought, you know what? I am not going to address this. And if they don't do anything, I'm not going to do anything. It's a rental. Because one, one, it's a rental. And two, there's way too many people in that car. I am, I'm just going to sit right here. I don't care how big I am. And as the traffic started to move, they quickly got over and shot off uh, on Red Bank Road and disappeared. And I got home and I couldn't even find a mark on the car, so. So we didn't even talk about it. Anyway, that's probably not the story I should have told. Right <laughs> so, so, we, so he's concerned with about about not only lifting uh, or being in prayer and and doing it everywhere and constantly, but he's also concerned about the 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 condition of the people spiritually. And, and I think that, that that's an important point for us to make, that if we want our relationship with God to grow and we want our relationship to be as strong as it can be, where we are in our walk makes a difference. And in addressing the sin in our lives, and as he puts it here, lifting holy hands, and, and <laughs> in and amongst ourselves as members of the body of Christ and a congregation of a local church, we should be at peace with one another. It's, it's okay to have, it's okay to disagree without having disagreement. You know, it's okay for us to, to be able to sit down and, and have a cup of coffee and talk about things that maybe we don't see eye to eye on, but to, but to understand that, that it's Christ that holds us all together regardless. And, and you know, you might disagree with, with a, a view I have, but as long as, as we all understand where salvation comes from, and the importance of what Christ did for us, and those those foundations of our faith are in place. Um, we should be able to discuss the rest of it, you know. And so, so Paul is calling them here to not quarrel and uh, to not be angry. And then he moves on in verse nine to talk about an apparent issue that must be going on with the women in the church, because he's addressing that they should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold pearls or costly attire. And, and, and I don't think we should take this as a broad brush stroke to say, if anyone is sitting here with their hair braided right now, there is a problem going. No. <laughs> I figured I'd better say something. My gold yeah. Yeah. Thanks. John, yeah, yeah. Something that I, I'm, I don't know, just kind of looking, reading through it. I read through it a couple times. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to me that that what he's saying, what Paul's saying is, church, I mean, he says it right there. Church is a place of worship. It's not a place to come and talk about, you know, argue back and forth about political events or what happened at the other night football game. I mean, if you want to talk about that stuff, that's fine, but to argue about it. And it's not a place for, whether it's here he puts women, but... Anybody, I mean, if, if you're dressing up just to go to church and show everybody, you know, how much money you've got or 
how good you can make your hair look or to be looked at, then that's not the place for that either. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think there's a there's there's a lot of room there in this particular verse for interpretation that that in and of this particular church that we're discussing, there was obviously some problems with folks showing up trying to to, to edify themselves. And it and it must have been an issue that was being seen specifically or at least for the most part with the women that were showing up. And and they and so he's saying don't do these things because the effect of coming to church, if you're doing this and dressing like this, is totally opposite of what we're supposed to be doing at church. And it, it takes away from everything. <coughs> but he does go a little bit deeper into areas here that start to um, require a little bit deeper discussion. Um, and let me get back here to something real quick. <clears throat> yeah, here, um, I'm just going to read something from the ESV. It says, by, uh, Paul suggests that the way the church conducts itself in corporate worship, meaning unity, modesty, proper submission, bears significance on its effectiveness in world evangelization. So if you think about the implications of how we behave ourselves mm -hmm. in church, what kind of implications are there outside for how we witness to others and how they see us? And I think it's one of the reasons why we keep seeing the word godly being used throughout this letter as he writes to Timothy, that there's a certain posture, a certain picture, and a, and a certain way that if we're not positioned godly, that it leaves way big opening for the rest of the world to look at us and to say, well, if that's how Christians are, I can be that way out here. There should be something different about us that separates us from the world. There should be something different about us that people can see and go, you know what? I need that. <clears throat> and and if, if we're going to behave in a worldly manner within the church... What's the point, right? And so there's, I think there's a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of implications we can pull from this, but it also that society tends to evolve throughout time, and social views and the way we look at things, we tend to get a wider picture of acceptance and acceptability, and and things that were were not <coughs> acceptable twenty years ago suddenly are very acceptable today. And the church as a whole tends to do it more slowly, but also tends to evolve a bit and start to be more acceptable. And the only thing I want to say to that is that this is implying that there is an unacceptable way to dress, to look, and to come to church. I'm not here to tell you what that is, but I am here to say that there are lines that shouldn't be crossed. I heard a preacher one time when he was talking about um, the verse that says that a man should wear that, which is, uh, or a woman should not wear that, which is pertaining to a man. He says, I don't know exactly what that means because what women and men wore back then is totally different than what we wear now. He says, I don't know exactly how to, how to interpret, interpret that, but he said, I'll tell you this much. I do believe that it's telling us that 
A man should look like a man and a woman should look like a woman. You should be able to see them and tell them apart. And, and I think there's, there's a, bit of, a bit of wisdom in that. Um, because we're all sitting here wearing something different than what they would have worn at the time that that was written. And so there's going to be some, some social application and implication that we have to put on some of these verses from Scripture. But understanding that there is an improper way, I think, should cause us to examine what we are doing and how we're doing it to say, are we falling into a trap that we shouldn't be in? Are we going the opposite direction of where we should go? And my daughter just stuck her tongue out at me as she walked past the door. <laughs> that is inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and then narrow down which daughter. Yeah, well, I'll just say it's Rachel. <laughs> Not Rachel. It's inappropriate, but deserved. Perhaps. <laughs> Slide you on. <laughs> okay, so can I jump in? Please. Um, so I want to hop back to verse 8 for a minute. Yeah. Um, where so I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. Well, so part of it actually all pulls together with what you said. It's a, there should be something that sets us apart. And there's the verse that says, they'll know we are Christians. They'll know you're Christians by the love that you have. Yes. For one another and so if you truly have the kind of love that god wants us to have for one another then there's not anger and disputings and there's not i feel like sometimes like some of the things he names um about the women can be like a like a competitive or showy kind of thing or even oh, sure. like oh i'm dressed so i'm going to try to attract a man or something you know whatever like could be things that are not not appropriate you know in because of yes because of what they do yeah um but what i wanted to say was where it says about lifting up holy hands um you know when we lift up our hands that's like you know what is it when somebody's like you know stick up or this is or when you start this is surrender yeah i give up you know and and it, and someone's yeah kind of an i give up but yes it's like you know, and it's also very vulnerable. I was going to say it. You know, it's very it vulnerable, vulnerable because you're, like that. and so I think that's no a question. thing too, is, you know, there, yes, you're, when you lift up your hands and you're, you know, this, this is this group of men, it's a vulnerability thing. Um, but yes, also no, surrendering, saying, you know, God, it's, you know, yeah. So yeah, I can see that in there. I can't, that's a, I think it's a great observation. <coughs> Anything else before we get to uh, the rest of this here? I All will right, say so. the first time I wore jeans to church, somebody said, "Does your mom know you left the house that way?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was here. It was here. Does your mom know you left the house that way? And it was just jeans. Like I yeah. had a nice blouse mm -hmm. on and jeans. I cut. Well. No, she doesn't. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you in jeans at church. No, I, I don't. I mean, if it's just a, like a kid's thing that I'm doing on a Saturday or something, I will. But if it's worship, I do. But it's just drained. Like, it's drilled into me that this is what it's supposed to be. But, yeah, I will never forget. That's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. My, my mom never let me wear jeans to church. On Wednesday night when we had youth, I could wear dress pants, but no. For jeans. Wednesday night I was allowed to wear jean skirts, but not jean pants. 
Like it was a very specific dress code. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the whole discussion we had. Oh, there is there is this today. Is this what is and why is it appropriate? And what's not appropriate? You know? Yeah, and I and I because you know Jesus went to the he went all across the ghettos <clears throat> and the gutters, and that was the basis of the church, but. It seems as though there are specific reasons why Paul is addressing this in this way because they're take, it's, it's taking away from the effectiveness of the ministry within the church. It's a distraction. It's a distraction, and, and, it's, and it, needs to, it needs to not happen so that the church can be effective and do what the church is, is called to do. Um, but I'll also say that if you have a personal conviction if the Holy Spirit is leading you in a certain direction to where you just feel like this is not how I should be dressing and I should be doing this, then you need to follow that. You know, you need to listen to that. And and, and to, so to some extent, I think there's an individual conviction that applies to what you wear to church and how you dress, and what have you. And, and, and so I'll stop there because I could go on and open this door to a whole lot bigger discussion. Um, but I but I don't think we need to. Um, let's move on and, and look at the rest of this here. In verse 10, let's see, did I read that? No, verse 11. Um, I don't know, but you uh, verse 10, you're right. But, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. I should have probably read that um, because that applies to what he's saying with the rest of that. <laughs> and it, and it, again, it talks about it really talks about in verse 10, when, when someone looks at you and sees you, what do they see? If you want to portray the image of someone who is walking again with godliness and good works and a life that is led by, by God and your, your belief in Christ and your surrender to Christ, how would you look, right? And, and I think we all have something in our minds right now where we could say, Wow, if you look like that, you don't portray that. And, and so Paul's going there, right? He's going there pretty, pretty succinctly. In um, verse 11, he says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And he goes on to give some reasonings for that statement. In verse 13, he says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. So he's, he's, he's establishing an order. And then in verse 14, he says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So he's, he's making this point that there's an order in creation. And because of the order in creation, there's also an order when it comes to authority within the structure of the church. Now, there's a lot of folks right now today, this is a very hot-button topic. It, if you spend any time on social media in the Christian circles, this never goes away today. There's a, there's a constant just banter back and forth and all sorts of discussion. As a parent of three daughters, this verse never bothered me much at all until I had daughters. Because as, a, as someone who tries to be a, a, a godly parent and wants to raise their, their, all of their children in a godly manner, to live godly lives, 
you also want to encourage all of your children to be all that they can be and to follow every calling that they feel like they have. But when scripture goes a certain direction, we can't necessarily go against it. And so, it, you know, I've, I've wanted oftentimes to, to, tell, to tell my daughters, hey, you know what? If you feel like doing this, go for it. But, but I can't find room. I've, I've, I've tried many times to look at the scripture and say, is Paul giving this instruction specifically for this church in this time, in these circumstances? And I really, truly believe that the Holy Spirit led him to take his reasoning and foundations all the way back to creation so that there's no room for interpretation anywhere else. Because if, if his reasoning was based upon what's happening in that time frame, then it, he wouldn't need to take it all the way back to creation. But I also don't want us to, to look at this as that women are devalued for any reason when it comes to service in church or when it comes to, to serving the Lord. Um, and clearly he's not saying women shouldn't speak in church. There are other instances within scripture where Paul talks about women speaking and praying in church. So, so that's not the interpretation here. But, but certainly it, is, it does appear to be within the congregation of the church. I, I don't interpret this to mean a Sunday school. I don't interpret this to mean uh, women in society and in business and running companies and all of those things. But I do interpret this to be with, with women serving as a pastor in a church in a lead leadership position because of the order of creation. And he makes this statement that, and I don't think we're finding any fault here, that when, when Eve sinned, she sinned because she was deceived and allowed herself to be deceived by Satan. But then it's much, much worse when we look at how Adam did. Because Adam wasn't deceived. He just willingly said, all right, I'll just throw it to the wind and let's go ahead and take a bite. So, you know, there's, there's a whole lot. Of, oftentimes we'll read passages like this and we forget that the Bible tells us that men should love their wives as Christ loved the church. That men should be willing to literally die for their, for their wives. And, and so when you look at Scripture as a whole, it's easy to see that there is some sort of a hierarchy of service that God has put in place through his word. And, and it's no different than the hierarchy of of anything that we find in, in society, in, in the military, and you know, you can go down the line that there is always a structure in place for whatever reason, but it doesn't devalue the individual any, but it does say that there are certain roles which are, are, are filled here and certain roles which are filled here. And I have had folks in this very class through the years, I had one particular individual who's not here at this church anymore, who, when we studied this once upon a time, stayed after class and sat here and talked to me through almost half of church about this very topic. And at the end, threw her hands in the air and said, you know, I just don't see it. And if you're telling me that women can't, can't preach in a Baptist church, that may very well be a deal breaker for me. I'm not sure I can stay here. And 
I, I said, I understand. I do, but I can't go against what this says. And in an effort to try and undermine it, one, one person even said to me, well, that's what Paul says. What does God really think? <laughs> and I, I just went, well, is this God's word? Oh, I know, I know, I know, they said. And uh, so, you know, it, it, it tends to stir our emotions. It tends to get to the, to the root of our pride of, of anybody telling us, well, no, you're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. And it causes us to, to take the things that we want to be true and allow them to collide with the things that we know to be true. And so I'll stop babbling and uh, get feedback from the group here. It is difficult to sort out sometimes, though, because you look even in the Old Testament, there were like Deborah was a judge mm -hmm. and there were prophetesses, you know, Anna and it's, it's that. I mean, it's so it is sort of like it's like, oh, what, yeah, I know. What is that role? What is okay and what is not okay? And yeah. I know there there are there are Baptist churches that have uh, you know the Baptist church structure tends to be a little weird sometimes because you do have Baptist churches with deacons and then you have deacon elders and then you have deacons and elders and, and it varies a bit. Um, typically, you don't have female elders, but you will have you will find some female deacons. Um, but if you have deacon elders, they're generally all men, kind of like at this church, and and so you you wind up with with different points of view. I know, um, and, and it is tough. And you know, I tend to I tend to look at the New Testament from the perspective of um, whatever's in the Old Testament still stands uh, unless something changed in the New Testament to take me in a different direction. And and so perhaps something here is 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 what we're talking about. Where now, in the new church under the new covenant, here's the structure. You know, any, anybody have anything else there? I think it's, uh, to me, it's interesting because you have a lot of churches and the women are the ones that really are the, the, Absolutely. the, the backbone and structure and uh, the most uh, regular going to church. And, you know, my grandmother was, if it wasn't been for her, you know, I, I don't know, I'd be in church, you know. So it's, it's kind of interesting that that's kind of blossomed into that. Yeah, and, and but, you know, and, and when you think about that, to me, I see that role as the most important role in the, in, it is. In, in anything, right? To be able to, to that you talk about the men being the spiritual leaders of the home, fine. It is truly, however, the women who have stepped up and filled the gap where men have failed. Yeah. And if it weren't for that, oh, what shape would we be in? You, I was going to say the same thing. In, in Ezekiel, wherever it is, it says, I look for a man to stand in the gap, and I found none, God says. Hmm. And sometimes their men aren't men, and they don't stand up, and, and women take that place. And I, kudos to them. But, you know, do that. Don't be quiet in that. In that <clears throat> Absolutely. You know, but... But we also forget a lot of times what the church is. So when we talk about the church here in this context, most likely these people are are believers. They're yeah, you know, in our society, in our world, not not everybody's a believer that's yeah. in a church. So um, I think sometimes in our minds we we're not able to see clearly what the church is mm -hmm. and should be, and they're. 
I think sometimes in churches, men are still heavily. I'm not promoting women pastors at all. I, I, I in a church, there should be men available to to preach. Where I get confused in my own life is women te- like teaching Bible studies. Uh, I don't. I don't have a problem. I don't think women need to be the primary teacher of an ongoing Bible study. She's the primary teacher in the church of Bible studies. But to do like a six week, to do to do, it's good to hear. It's good to hear from a woman's perspective. Sometimes a woman, in our in the church we came from, one of the women, one of the people that was the most wise and discerning and spirit-filled women was the pastor's mother. And everybody loved this woman. And she taught, she taught and taught and taught. And one day she looked up and she said, she had a personal conviction. She said, I don't think I need to be teaching this class anymore Mm -hmm. because of these verses. She's like, I don't think I should be doing this. And everybody said, okay. And she stopped. And she, to my knowledge, never taught again there. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's so, there's so much there's so much to it, and I just well, there is. I find it funny. This Bible that I have is called Every Man's Bible, and these ver- this is a study Bible, and the the notes do not include it, in Second Timothy. It only goes or in First Timothy chapter two verse. Mm-hmm. It only covers three and five. Does not cover eight through fifteen. I'm I know. Like, I'm just gonna up, say that. I'm like, wow. Well, they really exactly. conveniently let yeah. it go. I was literally going to say that. I'm like, wow, no explanation there. That's funny. In a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen Absolutely. that anywhere else in here. Just that, this verse about. Oh, that's what I mean. You find a lot of a lot of a lot of study Bibles and references. I'm scared of this. Just go, yeah, babe, let's just move on. <laughs> yeah. It's like avoiding the 13th floor, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but the, in, in healthy churches, I'm sorry. You're sorry. fine. Go ahead. You finish what you're saying. Okay. No, I talk too much. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> like if you have like female Sunday school teachers and there's men in the room and things like that, ultimately, teaching you as pastor would be the authority of the church through God. Right. So you're leading those Sunday school teachers and you know what's going on and what they're teaching. You're kind of being their guide there. Just kind of the way that I look at it. I know yeah. not all people see it that way. They just believe there should be no female Sunday school mm-hmm. teachers, Bible study leaders, all of that kind of stuff. But the Bible says they're not to be the authority. Mm-hmm. And I don't see them as being the authority. Mm-hmm. I would see Tink as pastor being authority. Yeah. In our church, anyway, and guiding them. Okay. Yeah, I think I think I personally I agree with that interpretation. Um, the other thing too, grace. We must remember grace. Like there might be times or seasons of life where, oh no, I don't think we did that right, and we, and we look back and we we redirect. You know, mm-hmm. within the within our local churches, you know, I think there are times where probably we do do things wrong, and we look back and think, oh, we tried to do that right, did we? we I mean, this this whole topic has has plagued Beth Moore, something fierce. If, if anybody's followed what's happened with Beth Moore over the last several years, as she was, um, for lack of a better term, she was a darling in, in in Southern Baptist circles. I mean, women's studies were led by Beth Moore. We had the video series, you had the books, you had the you know, you name it. And Lifeway embraced everything that she wrote. And she started to do more and more and more speaking in front of, ch- of churches as a whole. And in the end, she started doing Sunday morning services. And then people started going, hey, wait a minute. 
And she started, she, she used to open up her, her discussions by saying, I want to make, make it clear to any men in the room, I am in no way trying to stand in authority over you. I just merely want to come here and, and share with you some things that God has laid on my heart to share. And she would approach it that way. And then she stopped approaching it that way. And then she finally, at things you know, kind of stirred up so much that she backed away from the Southern Baptist altogether and kind of went a different direction. Um, and now she preaches on a regular basis on Sunday mornings, and 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 she validates it by saying, "This is what God has called me to do." You know, we're going to find that. I, I just I have to look at what the Scripture says, and 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 do my best to interpret and understand it, and pray about it, and work with it. But there are some things that are just not left open to interpretation beyond a point, and this feels like one of those things. And it goes back to what you said, women being pastors in the church. I think that is the, that's the key functionality that we're talking about here, that that's not permitted in God's word with the structure that we see here. Yeah. I've, I've gone over the uh, well, time I think here. Something to remember, too, like God wants us to be on mission for him. He wants us to evangelize, and, and women are 50% of the right. the the picture there. So women should share their faith boldly, openly. No Most of the time are better at doing it than men are. And but but we must remember what the church is and what the church is not. Like a lot of these women we see on social media, I, I see them I'm like and I'm like, where are they at? Like uh what it looks like a huge church setting, but it but it most many times it's like a it's a like a I'm not trying to say. Like an event, an event yeah. of some sort, where there might be loads of people there that would claim that they don't know Christ. Well, that's not the church, you know. She's not pastor of the church. She's sharing her faith, sharing her faith, you know. So I don't know. It's a tightrope. It, it is. It I think is. one thing we don't need to do is get all bent out of shape about it. It's just, it's really. I don't know that it's a secondary issue. But like we have the primary. The church has the primary. If we have three buckets, we have primary, secondary, and tertiary issues. I would put this in a secondary bucket. I wouldn't put this in a primary bucket. The gospel is primary. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. This one. Yeah. This is one of those issues that we can focus on so heavily and look at this at these passages so intently that we forget to see the rest of Scripture. And then and we don't want to do that. And then you back up. I, you know, verse 8 says, I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Yes. And we're walking around yelling at each other about women pastors. That's right. Yes. We're not free of anger and controversy. It's rather ironic that he, he does this, this controversial topic right after saying, no controversy. Right. Yeah. So um, we'll hit uh, verse 15 next week about childbearing. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't know what it means. I have, I have looked at so many different interpretations of this verse. And uh, read, read, read verse 15. Uh, next week, I also want to talk about uh, a, a public, uh, part, uh, yeah, a current event issue. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about what's happening with, with Alistair Begg over the last couple of weeks. If nobody has seen his comments about um, advice he gave to a, a grandmother to attend and, uh, a, a transgender wedding. And uh, I'm just curious. He's got a lot of biblical basis for what he says. And... He has now been removed from um, uh, family radio where he, he'd been on for 11 years. Uh, they took his show off. He is no longer going to be attending uh, a conference that uh, John MacArthur puts on every every so often. He's, he's been a frequent guest there. He won't be there this year. 
um, all because of these comments that he's made. And I think it would be interesting for us to delve into that. So this week, if you have an opportunity, look up Alistair Begg and, and uh, look at something that he said. And let's spend a few minutes next week kind of hashing that out. Okay, we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this, uh, for this opportunity today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can sit here and discuss it. Father, help us to, to continue to hide your word in our hearts. Let it influence us. Uh, but most of all, Lord, let us, let us understand um, that we should be loving one another. Uh, let us understand why Christ came for, uh, for uh, all of us and, and, and that sacrifice he made on the cross, uh, that foundation that, that we all need to understand when it comes to salvation. And let us keep the, what's most important always the most important thing. And uh, just be with us as we depart from here this morning, Lord. Be with Brother Tink as he delivers your message this morning. And uh, Lord, just uh, help bring those of us uh, closer to you who have a relationship and uh, open up the hearts of others so that they can start one this morning and, and know uh, the wonders of salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.